Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Music and Spinner.com, where you can get free MP3s, exclusive interviews, and more. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 206 for July 23rd, 2009. Security News Updates. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. And by GoToMeeting. Improve your conference calls and keep everyone on the same page when you share your screen with GoToMeeting. For your free 30-day trial, visit gotomeeting.com slash security now. I've only been gone for two weeks and I can't talk anymore. Hello, Steve Gibson. It's security now time. Yo, Leo. Actually, it's been three weeks, hasn't it? Because I, I had a 21-day vacation, so I would think you did too. Or I guess you got back before this. I so. had to be here on yeah. Sunday and do the radio right. show and twit. So, but it's, you know, two and a half. I don't know what it is. But yeah. anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be back, although... Maybe you can explain this to me. I'm going to have to find somebody, Kiki or, or Maxwell or you or somebody to explain this, why it is that jet lag is so bad when you're going west to east and so mild when you're going east to west. I do not know. Not having experienced much of it myself, when I was coming to you to do our the, the shows in Toronto, I was you know back the same day or the next yeah, day. So I had you didn't no have time. Yes, but... But you're right. My my solution has always been just to sleep a lot. And, you know, <laughs> when you finally wake up, you're like, oh, OK, I'm, I'm sleeping here doesn't help. You know, I couldn't get to sleep till four in the morning uh, this morning. I'm just lying awake like this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean, Cabernet I'm in bed is my secret because I always mix in, some, <laughs> I mix in some Cabernet and that really seemed to solve the whole jet lag problem. Cabernet is what I need. <laughs> Dr. Mom says she's going to help me. She says, call me later. I'll help you. Okay. I've tried like the melatonin. You take the melatonin. I've well, so, tried. So you're still back in readjusting. Ta- it mode. took me two weeks last year when I came from Australia. This is roughly the same. It's uh, wow. yeah. It's uh, I, I'm expecting two weeks of of kind of w- waking hell. <laughs> and and you know I do you know I I stare into the sun and I wa- I go outside and I walk with a bright sun because you know you're supposed to tell your body. Somebody told me if you take your shoes off, your feet somehow that can't be that can't be right. I think I should go outside naked. There was some movie where, where the, the someone gave someone else advice. I think Richard Gere. I, for some reason, I picture him yeah. something about taking your shoes off and curling your toes. Yes. on the carpet or something. Yes, that's the what I've heard. But that makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. Uh, none at all. No, that's like saying pinch pinch your arm flab and that will fix everything. I, yeah. That makes no sense. Steve, how are you? Has it been, now, uh, for those who don't know, uh, you know, Steve is is adamant about this. We'll not miss an episode, so we pre-recorded the lights of the last three episodes. Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, we double we double recorded the two prior weeks before your departure, so that we would have two extra ones to fill in uh, while you were gone, um, and you know, uh, it worked. And and here we are back, and we do have a bunch of catch up to do because we haven't been live recording. I've got a, in fact, this this week is 
the mega security news update <laughs> episode of Security Now, where we're going to talk about everything that's happened while you were off cruising around in Asia, and I had my my two weeks off from from recording, and then since this would normally be a Q and A, we're going to and we got we have also not done any Q and A for a long time live because you know we haven't been able to. The next two weeks are going to be Q&A episodes, which will finish off our fourth year wow. of fourth Security year. Now. Wait a minute. No, no. Beginning our fourth year. Finishing? No, no, no. We've no, done no, no. four years. I guess Two, we have. We, that will, that, we, this is episode 206. Yeah. So we'll do 207 and 208 in the next two that's weeks. four years. And that's four times 52, which is 208. So, yeah, the end of our fourth year, starting into year five. <laughs> Yay! Well, congratulations and had yeah. an early happy anniversary. I did. I was when I was in China. I wasn't completely in touch with the news, but I was paying attention, looking for security updates and flaws. And it seems like there were a few things that happened. Oh, there's lots of things. While going I was on. gone. <laughs> um, before we get into that, I had a couple. I had just one little non-security note. Um, I know this is of interest to you. It certainly was for me. The Economist. Is now available on the Kindle. Yeah. The I Economist. saw that before I left. I thought yep. that's great news. The Economist yeah. magazine and Barnes and Noble uh, had a big news announcement a couple of days ago. They formally announced they're going to get into the ebook business and compete with oh. Amazon and the Kindle. There's an interesting technology that was shown at a recent demo conference. Uh, the company is called Plastic Logic, and they've got a competing technology i've not looked at what the technology is i did check out the e-ink technology that amazon is using um but this literally they've got a flexible plastic sheet which displays monochrome images and they've got a reader it also it, it includes a touch screen so their ui is touch based they don't have physical controls and apparently barnes and noble will be I don't know if they're going to be OEMing it or if they'll be tied into the Plastic Logic um, storefront because the Plastic Logic reader has, I guess, the Plastic Logic folks are doing some sort of an ebook system themselves. So Barnes and Noble apparently will have some sort of arrangement with them. But that was the announcement: was that you know Kindle will have a, potentially a major competitor that also has you know a brick and mortar. Um, interface to the public, not just um, an on online web-based interface. So, I mean, that that could help a lot of people who want to go see one of these things rather than just ordering it blind and hoping they like it when it when it arrives. You know, I do um, you think it'll be better than the Kindle screen? Uh, it looks pretty much the same yeah. to me. Questions would be resolution. The guy was who the DX. The it, D, they say that the DX is better than the uh, the Kindle two in terms of screen. Uh, contrast and clarity. Well, you, you, you. I don't really see any difference. I okay. have both, um, and in fact, I'll tell you why. I'm, I'll tell you why I'm asking. I left my Kindle on the airplane. Oh, Leo! <laughs> so I, I, then I actually looked at the DX. Wait, but I remember you didn't like first time. This is not the first time you've done that. Or am I thinking of something else? I left my uh, my Sony. Uh, that's right the that. sony the 505 yeah, yeah. and so uh, the next sony i got i got engraved with my name on it but now i don't use that anymore and the kindle didn't have really any you know it has a contact information inside it but i don't think they looked you know i knew that i'd left it on the plane uh, uh, after i went through customs and i uh, went right to the desk and they and they said no we don't we don't have it 
Oof. So I somebody probably snagged it as they were walking out. They said, hey, some idiot in business class left his well, Kindle. I have he to could say afford another one. <laughs> I have to say I'm beginning to see them, which is really interesting. There are at least three other Kindles that I've encountered um, people reading them at Starbucks or in a restaurant. Yeah, or, I think they're much more common than I thought they'd be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's really beginning to happen. Well, they um, dropped the price to two ninety nine. So yes, and and frankly, um, I well, this morning when I was out early uh, getting some blood work done for my, my for my vitamin D study that I'm going to be doing on myself, like do, you know, does the sun really produce vitamin D? Um, uh, I have my small <laughs> Steve, one. not content. To uh, to accept years of science is, is doing his own walking around naked well, or something. I don't know what he's doing to, to, well, to test this. Yeah, actually, I'm thinking of probably that I will be getting full body exposure in order, you know, brief. <laughs> what are you going to become a to, nudist? To, what are you going to generate? <laughs> well, I have the ability. To, I have a location where I can't be seen, and oh, I just good. sort of I going to give it a try. I but, might try that in my own backyard. That might for jet lag. That might be the solution. The, the reason is that apparently we should be getting much more vitamin D than we do. We used to get it from the sun because just 30 minutes of sun exposure generates about 10,000 IU of vitamin D. Yet supplements contain 400, which is what the RDA is, 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 has set, um, that, or, or that is the RDA, and it's very difficult to get much in, in your diet. So you know, now that we're wearing clothes and we're indoors, we're, we're not getting the vitamin, or not, we don't have the 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 um the production of vitamin D we should and and of course so in those issue, days people didn't live long enough to get to have to worry about skin cancer so yeah and frankly Leo I'm wondering how much that's overblown you know I mean the the, the there are there are apparently people who feel and I, I haven't looked at this at all that all of this this slathered on sun protection is really bad for you too but better than skin cancer. But you don't need a lot of sun in order to generate enough vitamin D for the day, just 30 minutes, which, you know, probably is, is I mean, it's not like you're going to become crispy and be in the sun all day. But, but my, my, my point is that once I start adding vitamin D to my, to my daily routine, which I haven't yet, I'll, I'll never want to stop it. So I only have one opportunity to sort of measure my vitamin D level just the way I am now. And so that's what I did this morning. My point was, though, before I got off on this tangent, was that I have both Kindles, the DX and my Kindle 2. And I took the Kindle 2 with me because it is so much more convenient as just a general purpose reader. The DX has a magnificent screen. I, I, I loaded the, um, I, I had Amazon send a copy of The Economist to both so that I could look at them both sort of side by side. And, you know, the DX is beautiful, but you really do feel that it's that it's too large unless yeah. you want to be looking at PDF where, you know, it excels for that kind of uh, That's what Dwight Silverman said, too, he, of the Chronicle. Yeah. He said he couldn't lie with it in bed. And, that you know, frankly, that's when I read most of the time is when I'm in bed. And he said it's just too big to hold up and and i'll tell you i really miss having navigation on both sides i like the extra yeah i'm a lefty i need i need that left button yes as am i and for the same reason it's really nice so i'm where are you i would replace it with with a with the k2 good because that's what i I said i'm not waiting until they find it if they find it i'm i'm in the i was in the middle of this great book i was telling you about you need a spare clearly so that you (laughs) 
Oh, man. <laughs> I'm in the middle of this Kim Stanley Robinson Mars book, which is fantastic. Red Mars. And, uh, and I, and I can't, and I, it was one of those I couldn't put it down the whole time I was in China. Oh, and I've got mine loaded in the Kindle. I haven't started yet. Oh, you're going to like it. It's good. really good hard science. And what's nice is, just like Peter F. Hamilton, by the way, we'll get to security in a moment. <laughs> just like, well, Pe- <laughs> we got a lot. We have to catch up. Just like, just like Peter F. Hamilton, he's very good at characters. And yet, the science is, you're going to love this because it's clear that Kim felt like he wanted to do the research so that it would be, this is what we'd have to do if we're going to explore Mars. And as wow. we get closer, I think it closer and closer to you know, doing that. That he has to solve all the issues, and you're going to love it. I mean, the science in it is fantastic. A lot of geology, because Mars is a rock. And uh, yeah. fascinating. Oh, it's it's one of my... It's I'm really loving it. You're going to love oh, it. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, cool. But <laughs> I'm halfway through, and it's like, I need my Kindle fix. <laughs> hey, let's get... We're going to get to... we got patch updates. We've got security. We've got a lot to talk about. Before we do that, can I just briefly mention a, a, our sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. How about yeah. that? You're okay with that? Uh, of course I am. Will you forgive me? Yep. Well, you got a lot. You have a big enterprise going at your end now. We need to keep it funded. I got to pay for my employees. (laughs) We've got the new CFO in there with Frederick right now. They're going over the books. Dane's making calls right and left. We've got Eric and Tony upstairs editing. Colleen is, I don't know what she's doing. And And the whole thing kept running while you were off. Well, isn't that nice? That's, that's kind of, you know, that's where we're, I'm trying to head so that it's like the whole, remember in the past, it's just shut down when I've been gone. And we want to make that not happen anymore. So thanks to the folks at Astaro, among others, the folks who make this possible are our, our great sponsors. Astaro has been with us. We've been doing it for four years. Astaro has been with us for, I think, three yeah. out of those four years. That's I mean, about right. Yeah. Uh, and and we're, I'm really happy to have them because I think they're just a really a great company. They make the Astaro Security Gateway. You've perhaps heard of that. It is a device that protects your enterprise. Um, you know, it's a U- it's a UTM. I'm not. We'll 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 talk the jargon here because anybody who's going to buy an Astaro is going to be the kind of person that knows what a UTM is. But Astaro combines kind of the state of the art, top of the line, both commercial and non commercial software to give you one device, one bullet clad, bullet proof, iron clad. Well, actually, technically, steel-clad device that is just fantastic. Uh, you get anti-spam, anti-phishing, three antiviruses, two for email, because, of course, that's the primary vector these days. But also you get antivirus for web. Actually, that's becoming the primary vector, isn't it? Maybe it is the primary vector. Looking at those websites, making sure there's no malware on them. You get a, a wonderful encryption, completely transparent, open PGP or SMIME. So that your 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 users don't know, but everything, if you wish, can be encrypted or signed on the way out and decrypted and and checked, verified on the way in. Um, you have defined user groups or individual users, so you could say, you know, this one encrypts, this one doesn't. This is the the key for these people. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. All incoming and outgoing mail can be verified and forwarded through virus and content scanners before your users open it. Now, I just think this is oh, SSL, too, you know, through a, a VPN. I mean, sorry, VPN through SSL, IPsec, L2TP over IT, IPsec, and PPTP tunneling with SSL. So that means it's very easy to configure and to set up. Just a huge variety of, uh, of, of, of uh, tools in this thing. I mean, I can go on and on. Anti-spyware, 
Did I mention? I didn't even mention the firewall. Of course, there's the best top of the class, top of the line firewall. Uh, You get intrusion protection. Let me tell you, the best way to do this, try it in your business right now. The demo unit is waiting for you at 877, the number four, A-S-T-A-R-O. Ask about discounts for PIX users. If you're a Cisco PIX person, you've been end of life a star is the way to go. 877, the number four, A-S-T-A-R-O. And if you're a home user, you can get this uh, non-commercial version of this. There are a couple of ways to do it. If you go to VMware, they've got an appliance. Very simple to install, or you can download it from astaro.com slash security now. 877, the number four, A-S-T-A-R-O. 877-427-8276. The Astaro Security Gateway. It's the key to a secure enterprise, and you're going to want one right now. All right, Steve Gibbs saying uh, this uh, Patch Tuesday was last week. Yes, it was, and there was a bunch of stuff fixed. Um, I wanted to start by uh, giving our listeners a little bit of news about Yubico and the YubiKey. Oh, I got four, I got like three YubiKeys in the mail the other day. Okay, are they blue? Yeah, they're the new ones. Uh-huh. That's, that's the news, is that the... They they only made 150. So what you have are very rare, limited edition blue YubiKeys. Um, they are the new dual function. Yeah, Remember that yeah. that the YubiKey can either function as a as a one time password system or as a as a long but fixed password. They they the way they implemented the next version of the YubiKey, which uh, Stina calls 2.0 is that you that you have both functions or you you have any two either two different um one-time passwords um two different fixed passwords or one of each and and that you're able to trigger um with a single contact so um there is a special offer though that they're making for our listeners reading from stina's note she said also i wanted you to know that Yubico has has offered existing customers a 40% discount when ordering up to nine units of 2.0 YubiKeys before the end of July. If you would like to, we would be happy to offer the same discount for Security Now listeners, independent of whether they are Yubico customers or not. Well, that's very nice. If you like this idea, please tell your listeners to enter the coupon code SECURITYNOW. All one word, and she has a capital N. I don't know if their coupon code is case sensitive, but capital S E C U R I T Y, capital N O W, in the ordering process on Yubico's web store, and they will only pay $15 per key instead of $25. We would have the discount campaign for your listeners open for four weeks after your podcast, whenever in time this would be sent out. So, I'm notifying all of our listeners that there's a special opportunity to purchase these new 2.0 version YubiKeys, which are the dual function for 40% off, $15 instead of $25, if they enter security now as their coupon code in the Yubico store. And that's Yubico, Y-U-B-I-C-O dot com. And I'm sure you can navigate to, uh, to where to purchase them from there. Cool. So that's news from Stina Evansfard at uh, Yubico. So yes, um, a bunch of well, all pretty much <laughs> in, in the time since 
we last spoke, Leo, everything has been updated. Nothing is the same. Uh, last Tuesday, July 14th, was the second Tuesday of the month, which is interesting. I mean, you know, the it's the latest you could have a second Tuesday of the month because the first was on Wednesday, two weeks before that. So the 14th is the, the farthest into the month you could have the second Tuesday. Um, three critical updates from Microsoft and three important ones. Um, Microsoft has said that they expect exploits for all of the vulnerabilities that were addressed. There were problems in Windows, Microsoft Office, there, uh, the IAS, which is Microsoft's uh, Internet Acceleration Server, um, and even their virtual PC and virtual server products. Um, uh, they, they, in the case of Windows, there was a, uh, a very widely publicized, actually. Microsoft uh, announced this beforehand because it was a zero-day exploit. There, were, um, there was um, exploits happening on the net, so they let everyone know. They had the MSVID control, MSVIDCTL, ActiveX control um, had a buffer overflow, which could allow arbitrary code to be executed just by visiting a website that would invoke that control using scripting. So, so that they fixed. There were two patches in what they call the embedded open type font engine EOT, um, and that was um, exploitable from a website or email. Apparently, websites and email are able to 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 like specify that they want a specific web um, a web font embedded in the page, and that invokes this font engine on the fly, this open type font engine on the fly. And there was a problem with that, which Microsoft fixed. Um, and you may remember we talked several weeks ago about about publisher having a problem that if you opened a publisher file if 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 users opened a publisher file that was part of like for example attached to email that could cause a problem and that was one of the other things that they fixed um and then also there was a a different problem with a video active x control where um, Microsoft has in, has told people just to set the kill bit. And I've got a further note about that a little bit later, uh, so we'll come back to that because there's a um, there's a knowledge base article that allows people to fix this. Uh, that's important because that was not included in this patch, and it is being actively exploited now. So this also, is the one. This is a whole one hole left open. Yes, and this is a zero-day exploit actively being exploited now. Um, they apparently found out about it the day before the, the second Tuesday, not in time to fix it. it I don't think they're going to do an out-of-cycle patch, but they've got one of those little fix-it buttons, where you just or the fix-me button, where you just click it, and basically all it does is it sets these the so-called kill bits that prevent this, this um, control from being instantiated by Internet Explorer. And of course, our listeners are hopefully just not using IE anymore. I mean, none of these are problems um, if you're not using Internet Explorer. If you switch to Firefox, which is what you know we recommend, um, you're not having this problem. On the other hand, 3.5 of Firefox did have a critical memory corruption flaw 
in its just-in-time JavaScript compiler uh, fixed recently. It's now at 3.5.1. So anyone using 3.5, and I know that you are, Leo, um, I'm holding back. I'm I'm staying with Firefox 3 until 3.5 settles down a little bit more. Oh, um, I'm, yeah, I'm using it. I, I went to 3.5.1. Yes. But that's and not so, enough. So well no no three five one is current that that they they fixed this this uh, just in time JavaScript compiler problem oh, okay. and apparently there were some performance problems some startup problems with three point five like having a really slow startup uh, in Windows and so they say that they also addressed several stability issues and this performance problem that was, that was causing a real slow startup in Windows. I know that my tech support guy, Greg, had, had upgraded himself to 3.5, and it was really seeing Firefox being unwilling, I mean, just like really slow to start. So he said, wait a minute, I thought it was supposed to be faster. And uh, so apparently they fixed that in 3.5.1, I'm hoping. That, that's a Windows issue, yeah, and it has to do with loading tem- uh, temporary folders for uh, randomization. Interesting. For encryption, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and under uh, over on Firefox 3, where I still am, that had an update also. It's now at 3.0.12, which is the current version. And in fact, when I fired it up this morning, I got the upgrade opportunity just now. So that's uh, fresh off, you know, hot off the press. Um, there were four things that were fixed there. There was a crash and remote code execution um, problem using scalable vector graphics. Um, we don't hear about that that often, but scalar vector gra- scalable vector graphics is a technology that really, I don't know, it, for whatever reason, it hasn't taken off that much in terms of actual deployment. There's been flash out there, and but exactly, lots of competition from existing technologies, which which you know do the job. Right. Um, there's also a uh, a heap integer overflow uh, in in this. Firefox 3 in its font glyph rendering libraries that was fixed. Um, There was a problem with flash player unloading that was, that was able to cause a a remote code execution of all things. When the, when the fat, when the flash player was done. So the the way it was able to unload, you were able the the bad guys were able to, to cause a problem. Hmm. And they were also, there's some sort of a crash that had evidence of memory corruption. They just sort of referred to it generically. All of that's fixed in version in this 3.0.12 of Firefox. And you know me, I'm just, I'm going to wait a while before I go to 3.5. I, I ultimately will, but I'd like to let it settle down a little bit and, and get the, the, the debris shaken out. I know you, you, for this stuff, well, it's a lot do, faster, uh, you know, so. it really is. Yeah. That's the main um, reason. I I did update to it by mistake, and I found that none of my add-ons said that they were compatible. How how are that, you seeing that? Must have been when it was still a beta. I'm thinking because um, once it came out in a release, all my add-ons uh, worked. You know, sometimes it takes a while for the add-ons guys to update. To, right. So, um, you know, I, I maybe uh, you know I'm not using no script, so uh, it might be that one does not work, but. Uh, all the, all I had, the ones I, I had use. all of mine actually. So something must have been strange. Mm, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, we're not so, using the same ones, but uh, I, you know, that was a true in the beta that a lot, almost all of them didn't work. And then once three five came out officially, 
Okay. Uh, almost all of them did. And work. so Adblock Plus, for example, do you use that? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll do a, a test install and see whether the things that I care about are ready yet. But again, in general, I'm not in a hurry to jump on the latest bandwagon because those are just not secure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, you get security updates forever anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not well, like- but, but, you know, tried and true. I mean, you, you want to let it settle down. You'd like, for example, there not to be a really big problem that was not known. Right. For example, we have you heard about the iPhone SMS problem? No, tell me about that. Oh, we'll be talking about that in a minute. Oh, anyway, boy. so um, and that's not been fixed yet, and that'll be in, introduced at the uh, Black Hat conference this weekend. Great. But uh, Google Chrome uh, is has also uh, had an update. Um, there was a problem in in the Apple WebKit browser app framework. Uh, a heap-based buffer overflow vulnerability. Um, and once again, you know, it was just one of these random things, especially crafted regular expression in JavaScript was able to cause a remote code execution, um, probably contained within the Google Chrome sandbox. That is, you know, Google is saying that. They're, they're deliberately withholding further details until more users have updated uh, I did check, uh, fired up one of my virtual machines that has Chrome in it. And sure enough, you know, now I'm up to where everyone should be who's using Chrome, all 3% of you <laughs> um, on the net. And that's version 2.0.172.37. But that happens kind of automatically without your even knowing about it, right? Yeah. So you are probably going to be current um, all, already, although I did have to go to the about box and where I found a check for updates, and then I was told that there oh. was one. Oh, okay. Uh, although I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't using it, and so maybe it was going to, you know, take a while and then do its do its check and and verification. So, um, then there was a different problem with it that where a a malicious site could cause it to allocate huge amounts of memory and force a crash, um, and in the process of crashing, cause arbitrary code to run so you you would crash the browser but in the process you know malicious code was able to get injected into it and while google was doing that they also updated their v8 javascript engine to the latest version which is 1.1.10.14 and then they also updated gears to the latest version which is 0.5.25.0. So, you know, that brings Chrome current. And then Safari also had an update. We, we, we last left off with version 4.0.1 that we talked about a few weeks ago. Now we're at 4.0.2, uh, which fixes two flaws. One's not so bad as a, a cross-site scripting flaw, but you'd like to not have any of those. We'll be talking about that later in this episode or in another context, in the context of web-based appliances that have a like real problems. Um, but there was a memory corruption issue um, in Safari 4.0.1 um, and earlier that could be exploited to crash the browser or to execute arbitrary code. Uh, just by visiting a web page. So, and that affects both Windows and Mac OS X versions of Safari. So, you want to be sure that you're running 4.0.2. Uh, 
Yeah, I uh, noticed that update. I didn't. Uh, they don't really tell you why. Yeah. Um, no. Interestingly enough, Microsoft tends to be the most open yeah, of they any really are. Yeah. companies because yeah. you know they've they they've they've got to be. They've they've taken their lumps and they've they've they were the the pioneer with insecurity. So I think they have, their policies are pretty well mature. Um, and lastly, I had a really nice Spinrite note from a guy who's sounds like he's not easily impressed. And I mean, this is one of those where, okay, I'm not making this up. Uh, um, this is Brad Schick who wrote to tech support. Um, I don't think he's a listener, but he just said, I seldom send out praise for products because I expect to get what I paid for. So I generally consider praise unnecessary. In this case, I was so impressed with how well your SpinRight program worked that I must tell you it is truly remarkable. My computer had locked up while in screensaver mode. Nothing would bring it out of the lockup, so it had to be shut down via the power button. Upon restart, it would start to load XP for a count of 14 seconds. Then it would flash the blue screen of death for one second, then go to the problem screen asking if you want to start Windows normally in safe mode, uh, safe mode with networking, etc. I hate that. Try- <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Trying to boot in safe mode or any of the other options proved to be futile since it would make the same loop again XP attempted to start, blue screen of death, then the safe mode option screen. I was skeptical that a program on a disk would be able to fix my problem, but after booting to Spinrite and having it do its magic for the data, re- for the data recovery level 2 in only 17 minutes, and he says, parens, 17 minutes, it's not a typo, he says, close parens, it had finished its work, and found and repaired a bad sector. My computer then booted normally and has been working perfectly ever since then. Your SpinRite program is easy to use, and it is truly amazing at how well it works. I will be spreading the word about SpinRite and the other programs you offer. Also, in regard to the price, it would have cost more to take my computer to a shop for repair, and that is not factoring in the time lost to do so. With Spinrite, I have a tool that, that can be used over and over and over. Spinrite is an incredible product, just incredible. Aww. Regards, Brad Schick. Isn't that nice? So thank you, Brad. Don't you love getting an email like that? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, when we solve the problem, and he's, I mean, really addresses the 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 benefits of Spinrite, you know, what it does. And, I mean, even saying yes, you know, it would have cost more. And besides, the shop would have just run Spinrite on anyway. <laughs> Do you know for a fact that a lot of computer repair places use this? Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. their secret weapon. They they just like, they just say, oh, I'll just run spin right, and then yeah. they don't spend any more time, and they charge hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I want to ask you, uh, and I don't know if you've prepared anything about it, but, you know, Google announced an OS based, I guess, based on kind of Linux, but also with Chrome as the centerpiece of it. I'm kind of curious, especially yep. with all these security flaws we've been talking about. And you're Chrome, Chrome OS. Yeah. Uh, I don't, we, I, I know of it. Um, it generated, nobody knows oh, anything about it. Cause Google said nothing. Right. It did. It generated a tidal wave of news. Cause yeah. it's like, <gasps> well, because the way it was put out was this is going to compete with windows. Right. This is like Google's, you know, battle against Microsoft. And, and the other thing is it's supposed to, it's supposed to start up in two seconds. You turn it on and it's like there. 
basically it sounds like you know a very fast boot of Linux running the Google browser, basically right. running Chrome. They're calling it the Chrome OS, and it's and they're of course taking the web-based model uh, where you you would be connected. You'd have have you know apps the thing, in the cloud. It's cloud computing, yeah. Yes, cloud computing. Although apparently you are able to bring local copies onto your machine so that if you don't have a live connection, you can still do things. Right. So it'll be, you know, calendaring and, and, um, and, you know, office app suite sort of things. And then the stuff that Google's doing now, they're, they're just saying, okay, we're going to, you know, you really don't need windows We're we're going to, it won't be something you run. You won't run our browser on top of windows. You'll run it on top of nothing. And uh, presumably for free. Yeah. As are, as are all versions, of, or almost all versions of Linux. So. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, we'll find out more about it in a, in a year. <laughs> when it happens, we'll definitely be yeah. bringing news. Yeah. And no doubt, you know, updates to that too now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, you have more security news. We oh, should mention. I, news, 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 news. I got. We have an iPhone problem, uh, a zero-day exploit in Microsoft, big news about form our nemesis in the UK. Uh, yeah. uh, McAfee had problems. Remember about, certainly you, you probably heard about the distributed denial of service attack that was launched yes. against the US and South Korea. Yes. I've got the whole tune up on that. Uh, news about Pirate Bay, uh, a survey about <laughs> about people and spam. Uh, well, you some, go away for three weeks, the whole world goes to hell. Some more Amazon news, <laughs> uh, cyber warfare maybe becoming offensive. And a problem with embeddable web servers in uh, devices. So lots of stuff to talk about. All right. We're going to get to that in a bit. I should mention that, that normally uh, on a Mod 2 episode like this, we would be doing Q&A. Um, but we're going to do two. Q- you want to do two Q&A next week because we need to get rid of get, 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 get No, no, I want to do a, I want to do a Q&A next week I mean, and two the in week a, after. In the next two weeks, I mean. Yes. yes yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, get your questions to, to Steve at grc.com slash feedback. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and if you have a question in... We'll get to those in the next two weeks. Meanwhile, let me tell you about our friends at GoToMyPC, our, our other sponsor on the show, the Citrix people. They're great. They're really experts. Look, you know, you know there's a lot of different remote access solutions out there. There are even some free ones. But the key to go to my PC is it's easy. It's straightforward. It's very simple to install. No port forwarding needed because it does NAT traversal. It's super secure. It uses 128-bit SSL. So, you know, industry standard, and by the way, the latest version of SSL, of course. Uh, so you're really getting all of these benefits in a very simple package. In fact, if you go there right now, you could try it for free. Go to us, go to mypc.com slash security now. Caps don't matter. You can cap any way you want. Go <laughs> G-O-T-O-M-Y-P-C.com slash security now. Once you uh, sign up for the free trial, you'll click the download button. I mean, you could do this while I'm talking. Click the download button. The setup is completely automatic, takes just a couple of minutes. Now you're done. And anytime you want to get to that computer anywhere, whether you're in China, where, you know, uh, anywhere in the world, as long as you can get online, you just go to go to mypc.com, unless China blocks it. They blocked, they had, YouTube was blocked when I got there. Facebook, Twitter, and FriendFeed all were blocked before I, by the time I left. I mean, wow. they're blocked crazy. Wow. And if if at some point the Chinese authorities figure out that you can use go to my PC to get to all those sites by just going to your office computer and surfing from there, they'll probably block that. But as far as I know, it worked fine in, in, in China, works fine everywhere in the world. 
probably even works in North Korea. Uh, you can use it anywhere. And, and what happens is you get to your office computer just by going to go to mypc.com and logging in. It's there just like you're at the office, full screen, fills the screen if you want it to. You can send and receive email. You can run any program. You can surf the net. And, and, it's, and it's virtually as fast as if you were right there. I mean, it's, this, these guys know technology. They've been doing this for longer than anybody. They've got it locked in. And now you try it free for 30 days. Go to go to mypc.com slash security now. G-O-T-O-M-Y-P-C. Go to my PC. The reason I spell it out, sometimes people use the number two for go to, you know. But no, there's no number two. It's all letters. Go to mypc.com slash security now. That's the hardest thing you'll do in the whole setup. And, and from then on, you're, gonna, you're just going to be able to get to your computer from anywhere you are. You're going to love it. Go home early. Travel. Take time off. Go to mypc.com slash security now. We thank them so much. Citrix is such a great sponsor for the show and all of our shows. And we uh, encourage them to continue sponsoring. We encourage you to give them a try so that they will. All right. Now, let's see what's going on in the, in the world of security. Okay. Um, got all our, this, that was just patches, folks. That was just patches. Um, what we have now are things that are not yet patched. Okay. Um, this coming weekend, um, starting on the 25th, is the the 25th through the 30th, I think, is the, is the next annual Black Hat Conference in Las Vegas. Um, always interesting things are being shown. Uh, what is being shown... This weekend is a remote execution vulnerability in the iPhone's SMS handling. Which is, so you mean, well, I'll let, I'll let you explain that, but it sounds like somebody could send me a text message and hack my phone? Yes. That's and there good. is no way to turn off text message reception on the iPhone it is it is a zero right. day exploit. It has been demonstrated by a security researcher. He has agreed with Apple that he will not release details until this weekend. So expect an iPhone patch. Apple is frantically working on fixing this. Wow. But this allows any iPhone to receive a, a, a text message and be taken over. Uh, co- arbitrary code can be executed. <laughs> Somebody just been- sent me a text message that says you've been hacked. <laughs> <laughs> they must be listening. <laughs> um, uh, you, uh, for example, they could determine where you are by polling the phone's GPS. What? They could turn on the microphone and listen to what was going on. Oh my God. They could, they could join the phone to a botnet, recruit it to participate in a botnet. Because it's a computer. It, well, see, and see, and yes, that's exactly right. It is a full power computer and it is like the, the, and it's relatively new and the software is, you know, still being, being Well, it's polished. three years old. It's not that new. Well, uh, but it's in, but they keep changing it. I mean, so there, there are. Yeah, the version three is relatively new. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, you know, changes, not only is complexity the enemy of security, but so is anything new, which is why I'm not going to Firefox right. 3.5 yet. It's new. New is bad. I mean, it's just fundamentally bad. He's, has he said that if there's any way of knowing if this has happened? No. Um, now, initially, he was crashing the iPhone. When, when, when he gave a demo, uh, the, 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 the person who was the target looked up and it just said no service. So right. the phone had crashed. 
but he will be demonstrating this weekend that he's able to execute arbitrary code on an unpa- on, on a three O unpatched iPhone. As we know, that, the crash is often a precursor to that. Right? Yes, if the crashes crash are, are the way these things exactly. You yeah. you start by crashing it, then you analyze exactly what happened, and then realize, oh, if we put you know this binary right. as part of our packet, then that'll get executed. And as you said, Lee, I mean, it is it's a it's a connected computer, and there is nothing more vulnerable in the world than a connected open computer that is able to execute code um, from the data incoming. And, you know, normally you're just going to display text when you receive an SMS message on the screen. Unfortunately, there is a way to get the phone to execute what you send. And, and, and apparently there's a site you can go to to disable some reception features of the iphone you can like turn off email something or others um i I just i was i was scanning to understand the the nature of this but there is no way to turn off the phone's vulnerability to sms so apple will be patching you know within the next few days i hope uh, rushing to get this thing done because the guy said look i'll give you until um the black hat conference but this is the title of my talk now, Black Hat, there's two. There's really two conferences, Black Hat and then DEF CON, right. one right this after the other. Black Hat is like the hardcore uh, invite-only conference. Well, and this guy is well-known. Uh, his name is Charlie Miller. Uh, he wrote the Mac Hacker's Handbook. <laughs> he co-wrote it, and he's regarded as an OSX authority. So, you know, he had Apple's attention immediately, and, uh, and he's, you know, it's serious business. Wow. Yeah, no so, kidding. There's news. On the iPhone, but we just don't. Uh, we don't know, and let's let's hope hackers don't know the details until this weekend. Yeah, and the good news is, it's it's it sounds to me like you know you just can't randomly send a text message to it. There's there's it, you gotta have to go through some work in order to make this happen, and you have uh, to know the phone number. But obviously. yeah, and exactly, and you have to know the phone number in order. To, everybody knows my cell phone numbers. I was just going to say, I was surprised when you received a text message because I guess. Well, you know, it's gotten out so many times; it's not really yeah. a secret. And uh, yeah, oh boy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe you ought to turn it off, Leo. The phone? Although, it, it's your phone. It's isn't my it? phone. I can't turn it off. That's a problem. <laughs> well, well. Hey, if any, I'm hacked, I'm hacked. What? The as heck? far as we know, no, this is not in the wild. Right. This one guy knows about it. He's acting responsibly, but he's told Apple, "Look, get your act together. Get this thing patched." Um, what's the patch technology for the iPhone? Is it able to 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 like push patches out very yeah. quickly? Yeah, just like all uh, cell phones, AT and T pushes it out and says, "Wait a minute, no, that's not true." I take it back. That may be a capability that AT&T has, but normally your your phone is not patched uh, until you hook it up to iTunes and sync it. And mm-hmm. iTunes will then say, usually there's an update. Do you want to apply it? Mm-hmm. It's really much more volitional. It's not, there's no automatic patch. Unless AT&T, you know, a lot of cell phones, you have that automatic capability. Maybe AT&T does have that. I hope so. What it's not just said- AT&T though. You know, this is a worldwide uh, system. The The exact quote was, uh, a bad SMS vulnerability that allows an attacker to remotely install and run arbitrary unsigned software with root access. Couldn't be much worse. No. <laughs> Could not be much worse. <laughs> when you receive it in a text message. Jeez. Yeah. Uh. Um, meanwhile, 
there is a zero-day exploit, which is unpatched, zero-day meaning currently being exploited, of um, an ActiveX control for Microsoft's Office web components. There is no way around this. If you go to a malicious web page or you open um, email with HTML viewer, your machine can be taken over. Um, this is not a problem for people running Firefox. This is only if you're using IE. You know, I'm, I use IE only to run Windows Update. So I'm safe. I'm hoping our listeners are at the point now where they're no longer using Internet Explorer, in which case they're not going to have a problem. The next Patch Tuesday um, for, for August, I'm sure, will cure this. However, if you need to use IE, the only solution is to turn on the kill bits, the so-called kill bits for this ActiveX control. Microsoft has a page that makes it as, sing- as simple as a single click. Um, it's support.microsoft.com slash KB, which, you know, <laughs> coincidentally stands for Killbits, uh, also knowledge base, of course. So it's slash KB slash 973472. So again, that's support.microsoft.com slash KB slash 973 472. That'll take you to a page that's got the new fix me button on it where you click it and it, it in, in doing so it runs some script which turns these kill bits on. Now the kill bits, this is something where, you know, you're, you're wishing Microsoft had done this the other way around. They're, they ought to be enable bits for all these ActiveX controls, which right. are normally off. Right. This Default is like to off. Yes, this is like the old days of the firewall where where the original firewalls were allow all and then you blocked specific things. Well, that strategy didn't last very long and everyone finally knows that a firewall should deny all and then allow only the traffic that you know you want. Right. Well, Microsoft got it backwards and and unfortunately IE with scripting allows any ActiveX control, even if it's not supposed to be, if it was never intended to be a web control, it's by default, you can invoke it. So here's, you know, an office component. Um, this does happen to be a web-based component, an, an office component that that you probably don't need to use. You don't want websites to invoke, yet a bad one can. And due to the fact that there's a remote code execution vulnerability in it it allows your machine to be taken over remotely and it is now being maliciously exploited as we speak microsoft has no fix for it my guess is they're not going to do an out of cycle patch they'll wait till august so if you need to be using ie and if you might be um, viewing email that you don't control or you're going to websites that you don't trust then Turning these kill bits on for sure is a good thing. And after the patch, you can turn them off again uh, to get that functionality back. So, again, I hope our users have moved to Firefox and they're, using, they're only using IE for running Windows Update. Um, as is, you know, which is where I finally am. Because it, you know, it strikes me this is the most depressing show in history. <laughs> no, I can't use anything. I can't use Firefox. I can't use my iPhone. I can't use IE. 
can't use Windows. They all have unpatched zero-day flaws. It really, it really is a problem. And you know, I, I it's funny because as a science fiction buff, I've you know, you you, I've, you we've all read stories like this where you know people like Neo from the Matrix are like you know selling on the black market some sort of disc mm-hmm. that does something, and it's like, oh come on, we're, aren't we going to solve these problems? It's like I there's no sign. Of of the, that we're going to, and I've got even more stuff. So oh, yeah, yeah. I do have some good news. Oh, good, please. Let's do, let's do <laughs> cheer <good> me news. <laughs> up. <laughs> okay. Uh, form P H O R M. This, for lack of a better term, heinous uh, marketing company. Remember that we did a whole episode on the form technology. These are the people who were installing their equipment in ISPs facilities intercepting all of the ISP's customers' web traffic and inserting their own cookies into masquerading as cookies from every site that people went to in order to establish a comprehensive identity that was that was pervasive and pernicious and that you just couldn't get rid of. Um, it, it Because... British Telecom, which is the number one UK ISP, did a test of this secretly without notifying any of their customers. When the word of this leaked out, it caused a huge, a huge uproar. In fact, it turns out that the EU, the European Commission, um, or the yeah, the the European Commission has also begun to take legal steps against the UK government for its failure to take action against form or BT um, for the two trials of the technology in 06 and 07, which they conducted without gaining customers consent. So, I mean, this has become a a huge political problem. Um, British telecom just formally announced that they are putting their work with form on hold. Uh, The BBC reported that upon that announcement, the the stock value of form fell forty three point one six percent, and Woo-hoo! then yes, and then <laughs> there is justice. The, the number two ISP, which in in the UK, which is a an ISP called Talk Talk, they also announced shortly after BT did that they are dropping form and pulling out of it, and that kicked the shares down to a total of more than half of its value lost. So it really, I mean, all of this bodes poorly for form's future, which is, you know, one bright speck of news here in an otherwise gloomy podcast about security problems. Just don't tell me the Kindle's been hacked. That's all I just ask. That. Well, there was a problem. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was thinking, I'm just going to sign off the net and read books, but I can't even do that now. Well, not you may find that the books you want to read are gone. Oh, yeah. Well, isn't that an interesting story? Yes. Um, Amazon did something very controversial. Uh, no one realized that Amazon was capable of removing books from the Kindle, but Amazon can and did. It, what they're saying is that that somebody posted two of George Orwell's books, Animal Farm and 1984, um, onto somehow, like a they had some some 
unauthorized party. Yeah, there's a self-publishing feature on on the Kindle that I didn't know about or on Amazon. Right. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And so, and and apparently people bought copies of Animal Farm in 1984 for just 99 cents, not super expensive. And and many people noted the uh, that it was a little bit ironic that it was George Orwell's 1984, you know, the Big Brother book. <laughs> yeah. That was then that was removed from Kindles when the when the actual owner of the copyrighted content notified Amazon, Amazon sent email out to people who had purchased it saying, uh, we're sorry to notify you that this is this was uh, put up on our site illegally. We are or have removed the content from your Kindle and we're going to refund your ninety nine cents. It, it caused a big kerfuffle because people were upset with the idea that they didn't really have act. They didn't, they didn't have like control over their content. Uh, Fred Von Lohman, who's a staff attorney for the electronic frontier foundation said, quote, there's an enormous difference between buying a book and buying a tethered media device as he termed it. He said, and this incident really underscores that fact Consumers carry with them analog world expectations. And then he said, it's not clear from the Kindle license agreement that Amazon has the right to delete purchased content. He said, I don't see that many loopholes. He notes that the Kindle license agreement states, quote, Amazon grants you the non-exclusive right to keep a permanent copy of the applicable digital content. There you go. And to view, use, and display such digital content an unlimited number of times. And so he says, well, maybe the term applicable is the out that Amazon would use if it came down to it, saying that, well, non, you know, illegally uploaded content is not applicable to our license. Therefore, you know, the users don't have the right to maintain it or keep it and, and view it an unlimited number of times. As well, it, it may be moot because Amazon said, well, we're sorry, we'll never do it again. Precisely. A- exactly. A- Amazon said, well, in any event, we've you know learned a lesson. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what they'll do in the future. Maybe they would they would just pay the content holder, you know, the equivalent value. And that would have certainly caused much less problems and, and concern. I came up with a solution, which would have been a, a good solution, which is to um, switch it for a legitimate copy. <laughs> just, you know... Uh, Here's the problem. Now, I don't know if this is confirmed, but according to the Times, uh, students who had notes attached who were using it for class oh, lost the notes. right. Now, that, I think, has to be illegal. I mean, that's got to be a violation. To, because because you're deleting it's my the content. User, the user's own content yeah. that they've added to yeah. it would, would then be lost. And I haven't confirmed. I thought the notes were separate files. I would think they are. I think they are stored. In, well, certainly, be, you, you can't be modifying the file, so it would be a... A file sidecar of, of some kind. If, well, it would be a file with pointers into the copyrighted content file. So Matt might, it, it might just break it. It's in DRM. Right. In any event, um, thank goodness they're not going to do it again. Because yeah. there's got to be a better way. I, I suggested that they, uh, they, they send an email or they put it on the Kindle. They probably could do this saying, hey, you've got, you know, we found out this is not a legal copy. We'd like to offer you free a replacement copy uh, of 1984. Um, and, and apologize and uh, please delete it. 
I mean, that's right. all they and can do, really. For no additional cost. Right. I mean, Amazon w- would eat the cost of however many. Well, they copies. did that anyway because they, they reimbursed people. Well, no, they reimbursed them 99 cents. Oh, they didn't give them the full amount? No. Well, no, but that was what they paid. Oh, they okay. only paid 99 yeah. cents for oh, this. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so so they reimbursed them what they paid. But but imagine, you know, a- Amazon would say, you want this? Fine. You know, we made a mistake by allowing this to be purchased for 99 cents. Um you you can now have the real one and we'll, or, or 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 frankly just pay the copyright holder however many of the bad ones got downloaded there you go yeah in other news older versions of mcafee have once again been destroying windows we talked about this the first time it happened in may so not that long ago where I, an update to McAfee's virus scan misfired, wrongly discovering a worm, unquote, in valid Windows system files, quarantined them and caused Windows to crash and users could not get Windows to boot anymore because McAfee had said, no, these files are bad, you can't have them, they're infected, even though they were critical Windows system files. Well, this happened at the beginning of the month uh, on July 3rd, just obviously just before the 4th of July, with, with McAfee's DAT5664 update, many people found that their Windows systems crashed. And to me, Leo, this makes me just want Microsoft's security essentials uh, solution for this all the more. You know, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Microsoft's in beta 75,000 copies instantly downloaded. The reviews have been stellar, by the way. They continue to be stellar. I I love it. No false positives. Uh, It updates as often as it needs to, maybe even as much as hourly in order to keep itself current. You know, from Microsoft, integrated well into Windows, not being a bigger problem than than the problem itself, which here again, we see an example of (laughs) Mac being. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just can't wait. I, I'm, well, it's going to change. I mean, McAfee and, 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 and Symantec and everybody else are going to have to think of a new business. I mean, yes, they had a, lo- a long time to to, you know, make hay. And it was it was absolutely foreseeable, just as it was foreseeable that Microsoft would add a firewall to Windows. It was foreseeable Microsoft would get into the antivirus, anti-malware business themselves. And the good news is it's just going to be free. It'll be the first AV that I ever run, and I'll run it everywhere, and I'll recommend it to everyone unless there's any downsides that we learn about. And, of course, we'll let our listeners know either way. Okay. Denial of service attacks on the U.S. and South Korean websites. Um, On July 4th, which I guess coincided with um, North Korea's July 4th missile launches. And the day I arrived in China. And the day you arrived in China. Completely coincidental. Um, a, 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 a not hugely damaging, but certainly disconcerting distributed denial of service attack was launched by, a, there's been some dispute about the number of PCs. Some reports said 20,000, but a Vietnam research organization that found the command and control servers and tracked them back estimated the number was 177,000 infected machines. Um, The U.S. Treasury Department, the Transportation Department, and the FTC um, all had their websites 
uh, briefly taken down for various lengths of time. Um, some experts felt that this wasn't a a high a high uh, strength attack, and that had these organizations, you know, had better networks, had they outsourced them, for example, distributed them using Akamai, so that they weren't in a there wasn't a single point of attack, they would have been able to stay up. I would imagine we'll see those kinds of changes come about as a result of this. Um, there were some bogus reports saying that this was actually that this was actually triggered by or or controlled by uh, North Korea, but that was later debunked. Uh, what 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 um, happened was this thing was called W32.dozer, um, which was actually a sort of a a loose confederation of already known tools. There was this W32 dozer that was a so-called dropper that contained all the other components. Um, It was sent to users by email. So this was a worm. um, And the old MyTob agent that we've heard about before, W32.MyTob, that handled the, the mass mailing gathered email addresses on the machines that it infected. So Dozer dropped MyTob on the system. Um, and then there was a another Trojan and a, a variation of MyDoom. MyDoom was what did the denial of service attacks on these machines. So there was a sort of this, this collection that, that, would, that would land on the machine, brought in through email, if the user clicked the link to execute this dozer, it would drop the other components out. One of them would be the uh, backdoor zombie that was that would then use eight different command and control machines that were that were later found. And then another one of these components would rifle through the user system, finding email addresses, and then mail itself out to all of the. Um, addresses that it could find in order to to spread worm-like. So that was on the fourth. What was then found um, upon analysis of this is that there was some weird self-destruct code, which you typically don't see in these sorts of tools. There was a there was a a timer set to go off on July 10th. So less than a week later, only six days later. Um, in a weird sort of way, it would it would search the machine for 30 common file extensions, .doc, .pdf, .xls, basically user content files, copy them into an encrypted file, and then overwrite the copied files as if it was quarantining and and encrypting and, and like sequestering these specific user content files from the machine's owner, then it overwrote and blasted the master boot record on the drive to preventing the machine from booting. So what was strange was that after six days, basically it, it encrypted a whole bunch of files. It didn't destroy them, but it had encrypted them and then prevented the machine from booting. So it's like, I mean, it was puzzling security experts. It's like, okay, well, what's the logic in this? It wasn't at all clear. Um, then four days after that, on the 14th, this Vietnamese security company that I mentioned, uh, the Bach Koa internet security, they tracked down eight command and control servers 
and then track down the single master server, which was which was spreading its control out to those eight, and that server was located in the UK. And that, again, uninformed press said, oh, well, this was based in the UK. It's like, yeah, no, no, we still don't know. Right. And, and as far as I know to this day, there's been no confirmation of who was actually behind it. The UK machine was doubtless just one other machine that got, that got taken over. And then it was the, the the distributor to the eight other command and control computers. So you know that's the tune up on what all these denial of service attacks were. And we have no idea where 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 it came from. No, none whatsoever. I mean, it. I mean, which is not to say it's impossible, because now that they found the machine in the UK, if somebody tried to contact it again, then potentially you could track back but but all you have to do is run through through like the onion router network the tor network and that it becomes impossible to backtrack that i mean the tor network as we know we did an episode on it it's designed so that you can't backtrack the traffic through it well and and a good hacker i mean we've known this for years does in effect the same thing by going multiple servers uh, multiple through proxy layers. servers yeah, and yeah. yes yeah. exactly i mean i doubt they use tor but they they do something like that. Yep, by hand. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They 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 have they have a number of machines that they've compromised, and each one relays commands to the next one in the chain, uh, and they're spread around the the world. So it's impo- it's virtually impossible to get cooperation from all governments and carriers in a short order. And it sounds like the whole thing was set to expire after a week anyway. Hmm. So it's all sort of moot. I wonder, and I wonder what the intent was. It's just bizarre. Yeah, you got to figure there was some sub Rosa communication between the hacker and these governments. That that, that there's something else that went on. It's some sort of proof of concept kind of thing. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's like okay, and so why why scan the machine for thirty different file extensions, oh, yeah, encrypt the files, and bundle them up, and then and then kill the machine? Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, you know, just weird. It's like it's, it's almost like a demonstration, like, really. Yeah, or like maybe some of this, you know, they seem to be using a bunch of other components. Like, so maybe there was, I mean, it could have even been inadvertent right. that it had this strange side effect. Right. It might have one, one of the components had some behavior that the original designers, you know, didn't anticipate. Sometimes these guys aren't really that bright. Yeah. We may be giving them a lot of credit. Yeah. 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 Um, in an interesting little turn of events, we've been following... Uh, the trial of the guys who were running Pirate Bay, and we know from talking about it before that they were found guilty of not themselves of copyright infringement, but of essentially aiding and abetting the copyright infringement of the people who used their site. They lost a lawsuit, were sentenced to each one year in prison, um, and also had to pay a fine or were fined at least, um, 30 million kronor, which is $3.9 million. Well, Pirate Bay has been purchased, was purchased by an outfit called the Global, the Global Gaming Factory, uh, GGF, who paid 60 million wow. kronor, not maybe coincidentally, two times the fine amount um, for pirate bay what they've announced is they're going to go legit and i read several accounts of what they had said and some interviews and i still can't figure out 
what it is they think they're going to do. They say that they're going to introduce models, economic models, that ensure that content providers and copyright owners get paid for content that is downloaded via the site. And they say that they're going to re that that'll be a subscription service. So, so individuals and users will have to will pay some sort of monthly fee for access to the site. But if, if the users allow their machines to be used, and they also refer to if the users submit content, then they'll receive reimbursement for that and a reduction of the monthly fees. It sounds sort of screwy. They also say that like ISPs that have really popular content sometimes get overloaded and can't deliver as much of the content as they want. So they're going to uh, deploy some sort of peer-to-peer network in order to offload copyrighted content that ISPs would be providing. Some accounts say that these guys have had a year-long relationship with some ISPs on a basis sort of like this. So it's, anyway, it's not clear what they're going to do, but Pirate Bay is apparently going to try to go legit with some sort of model. Oh, and Kazaa, which is one of the uh, uh, earlier um, uh, peer-to-peer networks, has said the same thing. They're going to be coming out with a legal commercial system, trying, I guess, to leverage their past popularity. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. I don't know why it's worth $60 million. Uh, Kroner. Kroner, $7.7 million. I guess, do they have ads on it? I agree. I don't know exactly How do you make what, money what, off this? what it is that they think. I mean, certainly a huge percentage of the, of, of the, of the past success was that it was free. And I think as soon as you say, oh, look, we're the same Pirate Bay, but now you have to pay every month. No, you're, you're working with pirates. I mean, the people who use it. Exactly. They're looking for free content, and there's plenty of free choices. They're not going to pay you any money. Right. They're just going to go somewhere else <laughs> instantly. You're, you've it's got the like, wrong audience. Click a different link. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, okay. You know, what is it that they think they're buying for their $7.7 million? It makes no sense. Yeah. I think I think basing a business model on uh, on getting pirates to pay is not going to work. <laughs> okay, so a an interesting- they have ads apparently. I'm I, I we're showing our we're showing we're just not with it and hip. They have ads on Pirate Bay, so maybe that's where they make them. Okay, well I I think the ad rates are going to drop as soon <laughs> they as they start. The ad rates to- can't be worth that much in the first yeah. place. Goodness, <laughs> who clicks a link on Pirate Bay? Oh, well, never mind. Without holding their breath and being in a virtual yeah, machine yeah, and, you know, yeah, exactly. and washing your drive afterwards. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's a group called the Messaging Anti-Abuse Working Group, M-A-A-W-G, which not coincidentally is the acronym and the URL, maawg.org. Um, they're sponsored by AOL, AT&T, Comcast, Cox, Yahoo, Time Warner, Verizon, all the big names. They've, they put out a report which is formally titled, A Look at Consumers' Awareness of Email Security and Practices. Oh, this is so depressing. Or, quote, of course, I never reply to spam. <laughs> except, except sometimes. <laughs> 
This was the most depressing stat of the of the week. Okay. So a sample of 800 ordinary computer users in North America that this legitimate anti-abuse working group polled. 30% of these users said that they had clicked out of curiosity or mistake. 12% said they were actually interested in the advertised product or service. And 8% said they did not believe it was likely that their computers would be infected with <laughs> malware and recruited for use in sending spam. No, nobody would do that. And so here's the problem, Leo. We got somewhere there are 12% of people who are interested in having their penis enlarged, <laughs> in having their mortgage refinanced, in whatever it is that spam is now selling. I'm a little bit out of the spam loop because... Like John Dvorak, I get no spam any longer. I've solved that problem. So I'm, I don't know quite what is being delivered. But 12% of people say, ooh, and click on the link. Now, the problem is that the delivery cost of email is so low that 12% is like way more than they're necessary in order to make this spam economic model viable oh gosh yeah i thought it was one percent and even one percent is plenty to make it viable because it's f essentially free to send out millions of messages yes especially when you you commandeer other people's right. computers and they're spam bots right. for you right ah so if you I maybe mean, what's the cost you know a fraction of a cent it's at best. nothing yeah, it's, it's nothing. not measurable because yeah. it's not your bandwidth it's right. i mean it's you're, you're well, you pay nothing. for the botnet but that's you know ten thousand dollars for you know uh, infinite spam sending. And, well, okay. So I wanted to let our users know about this. If anyone's curious, there is a PDF you can download. I think it's like 67 pages. The entire content of this report is available and free and eye-opening. It's at maawg.org. Um, and over in the right-hand column, there is the a, a, a link that, that is the... Um, it's underneath... Shoot, I had a note for exactly... A, there's a quick links uh, link. That's, a, it's, that's it. And it's quick the top, links. at least underneath as we speak, links. it's the top item right there. Yep. The top item under under quick links over on the right is this PDF um, with some very disturbing stats because it looks like, you know, of 800 people polled, 12% said, yeah, <sighs> I, I like spam. I'm just shocked. I thought it was much lower than that. Well, it means we're never getting rid of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it works, why stop? I always wondered. I thought, oh, how could this possibly work? Well, I guess I was wrong. Uh, meanwhile, um, uh, late in June, in an interesting conference on cyber warfare, and on cyber warfare um, that took place in Estonia, um, like a a global group of people concerned about cyber warfare issues who were deeply involved in this. Two, including two unnamed U.S. government officials, um, were discussing the pros and cons of proactive attacks. Um, two Ph.D. students at the University of Bonn in Germany have said, said that they'd collected enough information about a quartet of well-established massive botnets that they could successfully attack and dismantle the malicious networks. 
Now, we've talked about this many times, the fact that it is currently illegal for the good guys to be proactive. Right. That is, we're only able to be reactive and to defend ourselves. We can't do anything else. Well, these two unnamed U.S. government officials said that they believe it is time to start creating policy in the U.S. that would allow for offensive cyber attacks. So we may be seeing this changing in the future. I mean, the, the problem is, essentially, the good guys' hands are tied. The bad guys have all the leverage. And there's, there, even when security researchers know how to take down a net that is doing bad things, it's illegal for us to do so. Can't do it. Oh, I don't so, understand that. I don't well, I mean, it, the, the, no, the problem is that, that if, you, if you modify someone's computer, even for what you regard as beneficial purposes, right. you've done so without their knowledge or permission. But can't you take down the, the um, server? Well, that's, that's also somebody's machine. It's, you know, it's a much nastier machine, perhaps, but it's still, it's, it's, it's doing something illegal. You could just go in and get, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. It's weird though, that there are, there are laws in other countries that are not even sure it's illegal. Yeah. See, that's part of the problem. Right. Well, we've got to fix that. I mean, that's crazy. I think it's being fixed. It, it's it's going yeah. to be slow. And again, we want to make sure we don't do the wrong thing because there's the possibility for abuse of these sorts of things. Well, right now, we're clearly erring on the side of, of hands off and hope for the best. But I guess, I mean, again, this seems to me like sci-fi. It just boggles my mind that there's like major cyber warfare budgets and teams and facilities and everyone's getting take starting to take cyber warfare oh, yeah. very very seriously oh, yeah. i mean i i know i sound naive about it and certainly i'm not naive about what can be done and how i guess to me it just seems so obvious that it's like okay well um uh fix your security fix your firewalls right. um you know fix, fix your iphones seems like we have ways to do that yeah. Yeah, exactly. And lastly, uh, a group at Stanford, there's a Stanford security lab that will also be um, showing some very distressing news this weekend at the Black Hat conference. They tested 21 different devices from 16 different manufacturers. These are web-enabled gizmos, webcams, printers, networks, uh, switches, photo frames, VOIP phones, remote management tools, all of these things, and, and like, you know, consumer routers, all of these things that are web-enabled, meaning that like so many peripherals now, they've got an internet connection and a web interface. They tested the vulnerability of 21 devices made by 16 different manufacturers. There was not one that was not vulnerable to serious web 
oriented problems. Mm. For example, enter, they were able to enter JavaScript commands into the log on <laughs> prompts. Oh boy. And the device logged the log on attempts. So when the administrator brought up the log, the log, the act of displaying the log replayed the JavaScript commands as it would, because now they were in a web page because the log was web based. Mm -hmm. And that allowed the commands to, to connect to a remote server and download malware. Um, there, uh, they, they, they said that among the worst devices were <clears throat> network attached storage devices. They, they, they enumerated five different classes of attacks, and they said that the, the NAS, the network attack stored, uh, attached storage devices, were vulnerable to all five classes of attack. For example, you could rename files to JavaScript strings. There was no control over file naming in these. And, of course, we all have long file names now in our, in our state-of-the-art file systems. Well, long meaning JavaScript. And so anytime this device atten attempted to display the file names on a web page, again, you were running JavaScript. So now there's scripting running in your directory listing, which is displayed on a web page causing your browser to do whatever the JavaScript has said. And it's running in the local context. So even systems that have security saying, don't allow remote sites to execute script. But of course, we trust ourselves. Well, now we can't trust ourselves. <laughs> Great. All of these devices are, are, have, been, have been put out and created with effectively no awareness of the security implications yeah. of, of having this kind of power on a, an easy-to-use, easy-to-administer device. Hey, I've been looking at the uh, iPhone uh, hack that Charlie Miller is going to show this weekend, and it, okay. it, it looks like it's for 221, which is the previous version of the iPhone oh, firmware. I didn't see that anywhere. And he says that he hasn't, at, at, at least the articles I saw, doesn't know if it'll work with 3.0. Now, there are a lot of older iPhones still running 2.21, uh, uh, but that would sound like it would be a good reason for me, for instance, to upgrade my son Henry's iPhone to 3.0. Uh, and uh, any new iPhone sold, of course, has 3.0 on it. Now, it's possible this weekend he'll say it also affects 3.0, but he hasn't demonstrated it with 3.0. Um, is Apple maintaining separate um, no, separate not normally. You, don't, you can keep 2.1 on your system if you don't agree to update. But the current version for all iPhones, all three versions of the hardware is 3.0. Okay. And, and so, and is there any rationale for people not going to 3.0? Well, the reason Henry hasn't is because he, uh, he, we jailbreaked, jailbroke uh -huh. his iPhone. So any update will reverse the jailbreak and you'll have to re-jailbreak it. But uh, I think we're just going to be doing that tonight. So, <laughs> so any, but it sounds like that's a, that's a reason to move to 3.0, you know, not noticing, not paying attention, having a jailbroken phone you don't want to mess with. There are a variety of reasons you might want not want to move to 3.0, but it sounds right. like that's this might be the reason to do it. So it may, I you know, I don't know if Apple fixed it in 3.0, uh, or I'm sure they fixed a lot of holes, and uh, we won't know to this weekend. 
Yep. Yep. Very interesting. So there's our mega security news update, my wow. friend. Wow. I'm trying not to be too glum here. <laughs> at least at least form got it. <laughs> well, yes, 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 yes. Exactly. Form got what's coming to them and um uh Everybody else is scrambling around trying to patch trying holes. To patch holes. Yeah. You're right. You know, it just isn't getting better. No, it's not. There's no sign of it that, that it's getting better. Really interesting. And of course, because now we know there's a financial, a strong financial incentive to hack systems, uh, that's, you know, with 12% responding to spam, that's that's why you have seen all these exploits. Yeah, there there's a, a facility that was found and recently published publicized called Golden Cash, which is the um, which is a, a clearinghouse run apparently by uh, a group in Russia where uh, bad guys are able to 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 go to the site and pre- present credentials of some sort and purchase batches of bots that yeah. they want to to exploit for various purposes. Yeah. So there, there, I mean, there's now a bazaar, essentially a, a, yeah. a, a commerce system established for buying and selling, uh, bot fleets. Well, remember we talked about the BBC buying that, uh, bot fleet for what was it? 10 grand. It was cheap, right? Right. Cheap. Right. <laughs> All right, Steve. Hey boy, we got caught up. That's the good news. Next week we answer people's questions. Go to grc.com slash feedback to ask your questions actually for the next two weeks. So we'll have lots of Q and a, Yep. Um, of course, GRC is a great place to go for SpinRight, the world's best hard drive maintenance utility. you got to have it if you've got a hard drive. Yeah. And uh, all the free stuff Steve gives away all the time, uh, like Shields Up and Shoot the Messenger Decombobulator, the perfect passwords. I saw, uh, I, I actually put a link up on my Twitter account to an article about uh, the Twitter hacks and w- whether your password might be susceptible. And the guy said, go to perfect, go to Steve's passwords page. He mentioned your page specifically. If you want a good password, get a good password. That's grc.com slash passwords. It's a long password. It's not a memorable password, but it's a good Ew. password. <laughs> and uh, we will uh, do this all again next week. You can watch us do it live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. I mean, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And I don't know what it is, Chinese Standard Time, but that's the time I'm on right now. And I'll get off of that by next week, I hope. <laughs> get some sleep, my friend. Get your, get your bio clock adjusted. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. And uh, we'll talk next week. See you then. Thanks. Security now.